Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Sad Times. My name is Kevin, the host of Sad Times. Uh, for those of you who have never listened, just a brief primer on what Sad Times is. Uh, Sad Times is a show where we have a guest on every week, and that person tells uh, a story or a number of stories that have to do with the time that they were upset, sad, angry, uh, any number of, of really what we call negative emotions, I guess we call it that, uh, and just struggles in life. And this allows uh, the person to kind of tell their story. The goal here is not to solve anything or even to diagnose anything. It's just to allow that person to tell their story uh, so that you know anybody out there who's listening who maybe has felt alone hears that story and says, oh, um, wow, I thought I was the only one with this or that. So it, it, it's kind of the goal to to get all of us to talk a little bit more about kind of, you know, the hard times because we all go through it and we don't um, – we don't often talk about it, unfortunately. So, uh, before we get to our guests, well, let's. Uh, we have uh, two sponsors this week. One is, of course, the standby, the great uh, carcinogen itself. Fuck cigarettes. That's fuck cigarettes. That's the name of the cigarettes. Fuck cigarettes. And of course, uh, we have a new sponsor this week, which I am very happy to say. Uh, our new sponsor this week, uh, Sad Times, is brought to you by my. All-consuming love of the television program Dateline, which is brand new. Uh, last two weeks, I've become obsessed with that. And I understand that Keith Morrison is usually everybody's favorite. I'm more of a Josh Mankiewicz guy myself, but mainly because he's so snarky. Anyway, those are our um, sponsors, and we thank them as always. Uh, but let's get to our guest today. We have a very special guest today who's going to kind of tell um, – I, I would say it's a very timely story, but it's it's definitely a story that I don't think a lot of us understand, and I'm very excited to talk with her about it. So today we have on my good friend, Krista. Hey, Krista, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. Just thinking about Dateline. I've, you should have warned me you were going to say that because stifling my laughter while you were saying <laughs> that was really hard to do are you a so it, the show is sponsored not by dateline but mm -mm. by your love of dateline by my all-consuming love of all Dateline. Consuming. okay okay seems to be all i care Great. about anymore i haven't eaten in three days oh wow well that's not healthy no um, it isn't <laughs> if you keep that up your tombstone's gonna say cause of death dateline Actually, real funny thing. I know what my tombstone's going to say, and it and both you and uh, Brent will enjoy this. It's going to say, "Now will you watch the wire, Markham?" <laughs> so, um, a good friend of all of all of ours who uh, just refuses to watch the fucking wire. So I figure I just have to die and and guilt oh him my into. God, it. I so. haven't watched it either. Krista, <laughs> God damn it! Don't worry, I won't call you out on my gravestone. I, you know. That's the, there's not I, enough room. For there's everyone. not enough room, and that shit's going to be expensive, right? Um, okay, so we uh, are happy to have you on, uh, Krista. I'll just go ahead and say, kind of, you've been telling this story mainly on social media. You and I have talked a number of times, but you've done some really elegant, elegant writing on it, and we're going to get to your writing here in a little bit. Um, but you have what I, I I believe is called long haul COVID. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's something I've heard of. It's something I've been afraid of, which means it's anything because I'm afraid of everything. Um, and But I don't really understand it. So I'm excited to talk to you um, about it. 
and 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 really allow you to share your story, which um, and the little bit that we have talked about it, uh, it just sounds like such uh, an extremely challenging um, thing, a thing, uh, ex- extremely challenging, life changing event that um, you, as I said, have written eloquently about. And you've also, uh, from what I can tell, have stayed really positive throughout the whole thing, which is uh, commendable beyond all words. So I want to commend you on that before we get going. Well, thank you. There's definitely um, moments of sheer frustration, anger, sadness, screaming, crying, all that good stuff. But yeah. overall, I, I try to come back to staying positive. Well, good. I mean, uh, you uh, that's not easy. And um, credit to you for that. So uh, as all of us remember, um, March uh, of 2020, I believe it was March 13th. It was a Friday. Mm-hmm. It was in New Orleans the for the 13th. first time. Yeah. And um, it was declared a national emergency, uh, COVID. Now, um, so we, we kind of start there, but let's start a little bit before then. Actually, you went to Orlando in February of 2020, right? I did. Okay. So tell me about when you're coming home from Orlando and kind of take us through how you were feeling, all that good stuff. I will. Um, can I, can I, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you here. Can I start with a little, why I went to Orlando in the first place? Cause yeah. I think it factors into like where I'm at now. Of course. Um, I tend to plan vacations and other things I'm going to do way in advance. I think about it for a long time. I have a tendency to be impulsive in other areas, but stuff like that, I don't really do. All of a sudden, one day in February, I decided it's cold here in Chicago. I want to go somewhere warm. My boss is taking a vacation this week in February. I would like to just take a vacation when she takes a vacation. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, where should I go? I'm like, oh, I have a friend that lives in Florida. I'll go visit her. Texted her. She's like, that's fine. Bought the tickets that day for a couple weeks out. Totally random decision. Um, And so, yeah, I went to Orlando to visit her. I didn't even go to Disney World or anything like that. Just to be somewhere warm, to visit her, to have a good time. And my, as we all know, Orlando is a major international hub and airport for global travelers coming to Disney World. And I had heard little bits about COVID being in other countries, but we didn't think it was here. We didn't think it was a big deal. We were living our lives as normal. Um, And my last day of the trip there, second to last night, all of a sudden, I just felt terrible. Like I just knew I'm getting ready to be really sick. So I just told my hosts, I'm not feeling well. I'm going to bed early, excuse myself. And then the next day, just the whole last day there, couldn't get out of bed, just, you know, fever, sore throat, just generally miserable feeling, Mm -hmm. shortness of breath, all that good stuff. And then, you know, the next day had to actually get myself together to take the flight back. And it was a miserable flight and wasn't feeling good. Um, And then got back to Chicago and had to take even more time off work after a vacation because I just couldn't get out of bed. Um, like the exhaustion and, was that all consuming. Oh yeah. I, it, it's the second, it's funny to say it's the second sickest I've ever been in my life. The first sickest I had H1N1 flu in like 2014. Is that, and is that, that the swine was, flu? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Had that. Um, 
that's the sickest I've ever been. This is the second sickest. It was okay. a close second. Um, and I, yeah, I just couldn't get out of bed. I was so, so, so sick. And I, after a few days, my bosses were going crazy with me not being at work. And so I dragged myself into work. And one of my bosses was really staying on top of everything that was happening with COVID. And mm-hmm. she was concerned about me being there. And a coworker who was also concerned about it had already had some masks. She gave me a mask to put on. I remember everybody in the office kind of laughing at me and making fun of me for wearing a mask right. because they, we just didn't think it was a thing. They thought I was being dramatic. And then my boss that was really concerned about it saw me wearing the mask and she just said, go home. And so I went home for a while longer. Um, Did you try to work from home or were you just like, yes. So at that point I started working from home the first few days, I think I didn't do any work. And then for the next few days at home, um, I had brought my computer home from the office and did some work from home. Um, and did you at this point when you're that ill, had you, did you go to the doctor? I had not at this point after, I think I get it from my dad when we, when I was a kid, we didn't have insurance. And so you pretty much needed to be on your deathbed if Mm -hmm. you were going to the doctor. So I just got this idea in my head that like, I just, I don't go on the doctor unless I really, really have to. Um, and so at one point I'm napping. And all of a sudden I wake up because I can't breathe. I'm gasping for air, struggling to breathe. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, it's time to go somewhere. The other thing that's hard about this is living by yourself. You don't have someone to take you to the doctor. You don't have someone to help you get ready and take care of you and drive you there. It was kind of later in the evening. So I had to go to an urgent care. So I had to like get myself dressed and out of the place. I got myself in an Uber and over to urgent care. I even remember the Uber driver making a joke saying, uh, you haven't been to China lately, have you? <laughs> um, and I just didn't even answer. I had no energy to deal with that nonsense. Um, and so, yeah, I got myself to urgent care eventually because I was literally struggling to breathe. All right. So you get there to urgent care. And I do want to say, not to give anything away, but I have reached out to uh, medical insurance companies to be our sponsor because if there's anything sadder than those motherfuckers, I don't know what they are. Okay. Uh, so you got to urgent care. What did they diagnose you with? Did they, did they say you had COVID? No, they didn't even test me for it. Um, okay. I don't know if they didn't have the tests. I bet they didn't even have the tests. They probably didn't even have them. If they did, maybe they only had a few. Um, my issue was I had every single symptom except what they considered a fever. And this is because I have always run low. So if my temperature is 98.6, that's high for me. Mm-hmm. 99, super high. I think my temperature was like 99. At that point in time, they didn't think it was. Even after you probably mentioned. explained to them that, hey, that's high for me. I probably did. I don't remember because of the brain fog and how I was feeling at that time. And so sometimes when I'm feeling that poorly, I have a really hard time advocating for myself when I'm by myself Mm -hmm. and dealing with a million things. I also think I was scared to have COVID. So I was like, oh, well, if they're not concerned, I'm not going to be concerned. Almost a denial thing. It's almost like, Um, oh, God, that's good because I was afraid I had COVID. But they said, oh, my my fever is this. Oh, good. I don't have that. All right. Cool. I can focus on getting better. 
yeah, even though I had every other symptom and technically did have a fever. Um, but they may not have had tests. I'm not sure. They did x-rays. They sent me off with a diagnosis of an upper respiratory infection mm -hmm. with some type of prescription for an antibiotic. I don't remember which one and a prescription for an inhaler. Okay. And I went to go pick those up and the insurance wasn't covering my inhaler and I had no money because I just spent it all in Orlando. So I didn't buy the inhaler. I just got the antibiotics and I... um Sorry, brain fog is kicking in. This is That's a thing okay. that happens and might happen throughout this. All of a sudden, every thought in my head just goes away. And I need like a second to come back to figure out where I was. So just give me a second, please. Yeah, take your time. I mean, um, we're still in February at this point, right, though, as you're kind of recollecting yourself? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we might actually be in early March, come to think of it. So we're you're at this point you're we're pretty close to where it's like, okay, uh this yeah. is serious business. And yeah. um the you, trip was like around like the twenty second to twenty-sixth or of, of February. Like that. So we're coming so, up on February? three years. Yeah, okay. so yeah, so I'm either like in it's either beginning of March or end of February at this point. Um uh, so yeah, so I get the prescription and they sent me off with the diagnosis of upper respiratory infection. And then um, the next day they called me and they say, hey, we've looked at your x-rays and actually we're going to re-diagnose you with pneumonia. Oh. Yeah, which I, th I guess a lot of people were being that had COVID in those early days before the tests were being misdiagnosed with pneumonia. So it was interesting that they changed it after. Did they see, so they saw fluid in your lungs? <sighs> to be honest with you, I'm not sure okay. what they saw. I They just called and said, you have pneumonia and just, if you start feeling worse, come back and see us. Otherwise, just keep taking your antibiotic. I'm like, okay. So, you know, obviously that none of that really did much of anything, but as you do, you just start getting a little bit better each day, of course, very slowly. Um, and so, yeah, at that point, you know, it's at some point in March, I'm going back in the office and not feeling great, but at least well enough to, you know, go do something. So you never really even, um, you never really got back to normal, normal then. No, cause it wasn't long after I started going back to the office that we then, you know, March 13th was that first day working from home. And then we didn't go back until May of 2021. So I was out of the office for a long time. So things never really went back to normal for me. So obviously, you know, you, you, I'm sure you finished the antibiotics, um, and, but yet you probably still felt like shit. How long did you really, did the, did the system system, Jesus Christ, symptoms, how long did the symptoms persist? It's hard to say because symptoms of like being full out sick eventually went away after a few weeks, but mm -hmm. the fatigue never went away. Um, we go into lockdown and so I'm not really, I'm not doing as much as I would normally be doing. So it was hard to tell just how bad it was because I was just kind of at home doing nothing, but I decided, Oh, I have this time on my hands. I should start cleaning out some cabinets or getting these little mm -hmm. projects around the house done. And I would maybe do something for 30, 45 minutes and then be flat on my ass. And 
for like three days. I tried to clean out a cabinet and then couldn't do anything for three days after that. And I was like, this is so weird. Um, and I remember talking to my therapist about it and her just being like, you know, you were really, really sick. Your body's just not recovered. Just give yourself time to relax and get better. You have this time that you're at home. So just use it. But literally every time I would try to do stuff, it would just kind of knock me out. Um, and then I think not long after I started kind of experiencing some headaches and dizziness. And I kind of remember talking to my therapist about that. And she was the one that kind of said, I think you might've had COVID, you know, and maybe you're just, it's just taking you a really long time to recover. I'm just like, okay, you know, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. How, how long after, how, how much longer after you, you know, were the, those last couple of days in Orlando, did, did you, did your therapist say, I think you might've had COVID. It's just taken a little while longer. Do you remember? I, if I were to guess, um, I would say probably end of March, beginning of April is when I was getting frustrated. Mm -hmm. And then probably at some point in April, she was saying you probably had COVID. And then at some point over the summer, she was actually the one to suggest when these things were still going on. She was the one to suggest. I've been hearing kind of talk of people having long haul symptoms. Maybe you have something like that. Um, therapists aren't really supposed to make medical diagnoses. So it was just her kind of being nice and helpful. So did you, how, I mean, how would one even, so you were never tested for COVID, obviously we probably didn't have the test. So at this point you've had the symptoms uh, at least a month and then longer. And then over the summer, your therapist kind of says, Hey, I've heard about this long haul COVID. How would, would you have gotten like an antibody test or something to see if you had even had it? Or how, how would you establish, you know, for a fact that you had COVID? Right. So I was thinking, Oh, okay. I'm here and talk of these antibody tests that could maybe help me figure this out. So I reached out to my primary doctor who I wasn't a big fan of, which is why through all of these things, like I hadn't really been reaching out to my doctor because I just didn't really like dealing with him. And so I finally reached out to him. I explained what was going on and said, should I get an antibody test? And he said, our facility doesn't feel that the antibody tests are ready yet. So I recommend waiting until we feel that they are where they should be. And so that took a couple more months. And so I reached out and found out that like by the time they thought antibody tests were ready, it had already been over six months since mm -hmm. I'd had COVID. So they weren't going to show me anything. So that was a dead end. I, for one, am always... Uh skeptical and feeling that antibody tests will never be. I'm just kidding. I, I just don't know how you make that call if antibody tests are ready or not, I guess is what I'm trying to make fun of. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either because there were other facilities that were doing them. And my doctor's office was like, we don't think the science is there yet. We don't think they're ready yet. We're going to wait on that. I'm like, okay. All right. So you said about six months. So we're talking like late August or so. So then we kind of come into the fall. It's too late for you to get that antibody test. Um, what did, did, what symptoms started to come, come, uh, come about when you were in the fall that were, that were alarming to you? Brain fog and memory problems. Um, at this point I've been dealing with fatigue. Um, 
some days are better than others. Some days I can do stuff. Again, we're not living a normal life, so I'm not going at full speed anyway. Um, the headaches and dizziness are still persisting. The headaches are getting kind of worse. And then I'm having brain fog, which to me, um, it does a few things. One, like you heard just a few minutes ago, I will be talking and all of a sudden every thought in my brain just completely goes away and my mind just goes completely blank. And it's, I know we all kind of have that happen from time to time. It's hard for me to articulate how it's a different feeling and how it just happens more often. We're just, it almost feels like a little episode, if you will, <laughs> like uh, your brain just completely shuts down. Um, the other thing that was happening with the brain fog is I was just, I, at work, I wasn't picking up anything. I wasn't retaining anything. The new things that I was being trained to do because I had picked up kind of a new facet of my job, like it just wasn't sticking. And I was having to be reminded over and over and over again. And so I was feeling like I had dementia. And then also I was feeling like I had ADD. I've always been like the opposite of ADD. I've always just been like, so on task and just, I know how to prioritize and know how to get stuff done. Nothing distracts me. And all of a sudden I'm distracted by everything. I can't keep my focus just crazy. And then even a little bit of memory loss, like for probably like for a day, I forgot the name of the Hancock building. I forgot the name of my fish that I had had for five years. Um, just random things like that. Like, at one point later on down the line, I forgot my parents' address. Mm -hmm. Eventually that stuff would come back, but that was stuff that I would have never forgot before, you know? So a um, couple of things, uh, Hancock building, you live in Chicago, obviously one of the landmarks uh, here, here in the city, but um, how I, I'll just say from my side, if if I started losing thoughts that way, which you're right, it does happen to me sometimes too, but with any regularity, I would just get pissed off. So were you like really frustrated by it? Were you scared? Were you all of the above? Yeah, frustrated and scared. Like the, the other stuff felt like stuff that would eventually get better, fatigue, headaches, right. all that stuff. But like neurological stuff, that was scary. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that's probably the most frustrating part because, okay, if I don't have the physical energy to get out of bed, at least I can lay in bed and read or write or do something that involves my creativity with my mind. But when I'm having these brain fog issues or really bad headaches, I can't even do that stuff. And so I'm just laying here like, okay, so I'm just literally supposed to do nothing at all. Great. Hmm. Uh, I tell you what, because that sounds like a recipe for thinking one's own thoughts, and that's the last thing I ever want to do. <laughs> exactly. Well, then I lose track of thinking my own thoughts. Oh, you know? oh, wait, man. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. And you, um, so you took on some more responsibilities at work, and it sounds like you had a pretty understanding team, boss, and you kind of just were able to. Uh, this is a crude way to say it, but kind of fight through it and continue to work for a while. Is that, is that safe to say? Yeah. At this point, like we're still, um, you know, fall of 2020 and early 2021, mm -hmm. we're still working remotely. I had 
two bosses um, who were just incredibly amazing. They were some of my dearest friends and they were some of the few people that I had confessed all this was going on to. I wasn't talking about it on social media yet. I wasn't telling people, I think I had COVID. I think I have long haul. Um, but I had been kind of telling them all along and as symptoms were getting worse, I, you know, just explaining to them, I'm having a hard time taking more on, or, I mean, there were literally days where in the middle of the day, I just couldn't go on anymore. I had to take a nap. So I would log out and clock out and take a nap. I would just ping them on, you know, instant message and let them know what was up. They understood, you know, I was hourly so I could clock out, whatever, um, if I needed, to, you know, anything I needed, they were super accommodating and helpful That's and just great. really worked with me on it. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, fall of 2020 into early 2021. Um, so you're, you're doing the best you can uh, against some pretty goddamn uh, tough circumstances. Um, and then um, tell us about what happened kind of come summer of the summer of 2021. Yeah. So uh, late spring, early summer of 2021, my both of my bosses went on maternity leave. <laughs> um, and so one of them, I was her assistant. And that meant that someone else was stepping into her role and mm-hmm. I was having to help assist them. And there was just a lot of work around transitioning and, and helping with that. She was also a good friend and very great and understanding about what was going on. But there was just a lot that couldn't be helped a lot that I had to step in and and do differently. Um, And then my other boss that went on maternity leave, I actually was picking up a lot of the work that she did. So my plate just became extra full and still everyone there at that point was understanding of my situation and helped as much as they could. But it's just, you know, I think there's a part of me that, doesn't want to ask for help and just pushes too hard and goes too hard. And then I know there were times that I was asking for help um, and people were, but I just don't think much could be done about it. Um, And then one, the boss of mine that was um, the one that I assisted, she was a VP, Mm -hmm. uh, decided not to come back from maternity leave. She decided to take another job. Okay. And so the person that they replaced her with was an outside hire who um, was not understanding about any of this and not helpful about any of this and would not allow me to, um, to do the, the work I was doing for the other boss was work that my, let me do a better job of explaining this. The VP that was where, my job technically was that's where my job title technically was Mm -hmm. and in a help to give me some career development she let me start doing work for this other team to kind of try to transition me into doing that kind of work when the opportunity was available when this new boss came in in place of my boss boss they were not supportive of this so they took all of that work away from me and were then starting to give me three times more work than I'd ever had in this assistant position and just were not understanding at all of what I was going through. Okay. So, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say at the same time, like when I found out that that boss was leaving and a new one was coming in before I even knew what the situation was going to be, I said to myself, I need to go ahead and put it on the record with HR what's going on with me because if this person, I don't know who this person coming in is. And so far, this has all just been, they've been giving me leniencies just based on my relationship with them. But I decided I need to see a doctor. I need to get some stuff in writing and I need to like put this on the record with HR. Okay. So at, and now at this point, you know, summer of 2021, um, it sounds like you're, you said three times of work. So you're just more busy than you've ever been. Um, were you still having the memory loss and anything else that was really uh, symptom wise that was really kind of giving you trouble? Yeah, it was all giving me trouble. It was all getting worse. The fatigue was getting worse, the headaches, the brain fog, the memory loss. And at this point, we are going back into the office, not every day, but on a more regular basis. And mm-hmm. there's more like kind of meetings that I have to do physical work for as far as like setting up the chairs and tables and the catering and the different stuff like that. And we're doing in-person events and things. Um, so that was that was getting hard to do as well. Yeah. Okay. So you went to HR. Um, now you had mentioned earlier uh, a few moments ago that um, your primary care doctor, you weren't maybe a big fan of. Now, did you go to him again that summer of 2021? Did you find somebody new? Like kind of how did you, you know, go about continuing to address this issue and it, uh, from a medical standpoint, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. So yeah, by summer 2021, I realized I really need to see a doctor about this. I didn't want to see my primary doctor. I hadn't been a fan. So I started trying to find someone who maybe was at a facility that was doing long haul studies and had Mm -hmm. a clinic or someone who just had maybe a little more experience with it. And I had kind of done some online research and I called some places and every place I called, they're not taking on any new patients. They're full. Finally, by the I hit the last number on my list. It was the same thing, but I just begged them. And they're like, okay, fine. But then it was going to take like a month and a half to get in. I wasn't going to be able to get in until mid-September, but I'm like, fine, I'll take it. And um, so that's that's the direction I went. Wow. So um, six weeks um, or so, and then you get in. Uh, and you said this place where you were calling around they specialized in long-haul COVID is that what you're saying I kind of thought maybe she did um because their facility had was starting a long-haul clinic Mm -hmm. and so and when I when I was saying I need a new primary doctor they're like we're not taking on any new patients and then when I said listen I have long-haul and I really need help that's when they were like willing to take me on so I kind of thought maybe she was leaning more towards long haul stuff. Okay. So you get taken on there. You're able to see this new provider and uh, around September. So now we're, that's the ninth month. So we're like a year and a half over a year and a half out from when you first think you got COVID mm-hmm. and it's, there's been no real abatement of it. it. It's these, these symptoms have stuck around the whole time. And how, how did you, um, Ah, this is a really trite question, but like, how did you not lose your mind? I think I did lose my mind. Like, okay. But I guess I've just always been like, 
you know, if you've got fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, I'm a fight. I'm an Aries. I'm a cardinal sign. I'm super into astrology. I have always been a fighter and mm-hmm. I just fight and I get angry when I don't get my way. And that angry, the anger fuels me to just keep pushing till I get my freaking way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, good for you because um, I don't know if I'm rising or a moon or I don't know. I All I know is my sign is Taurus and I'm stubborn as fuck. And so that, that. Yeah. That Taurus is a fixed sign. So you guys are very stubborn. Taurus is right. rising though. Uh, it's rising or it's, it's drooping. Uh, Taurus is my rising. Oh, Aries that's your my, rising. Yeah. Taurus is my rising. Taurus is your son. Is that why you came on the podcast? It is actually, I, I knew it only, I will only talk to Tauruses on podcasts, like some sort of Taurus placement, sun, moon or rising. Okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I think, um, Scorpio is my drooping, I think, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Scorpios. Uh, whew, they, they know how to push buttons. That's yeah. Sure. My sister my mom's is a Scorpio. Is your mom? A, okay. My sister's a Scorpio and she's also not a doctor. Just yeah, my like, mom's not a doctor either. Well, so. man, they would have a lot to talk about. They would, I think. Um, okay, so you get in to see the doctor. I have to imagine there's got to be some hope there. Year and a half, and hey, this is a place that might specialize in this. Um, so kind of how did they approach it? Was it like a regular doctor's visit? Were there tests? Kind of what what was the message that you were getting from this new provider? So the first visit was a video. It wasn't in person. And I explained basically everything I just told you kind of about the history of Mm -hmm. everything. And she said, yes, sounds like you had COVID in February of 2020. Yes, it sounds like you have long haul. We know very little about long haul right now. So really all I can do is treat each of these symptoms as its own thing and not part of like a greater, wider long haul thing. We do have a long haul clinic, but we are backed up for months and months and months. So all these tests that I want you to get done, you're not going to be able to get in to do them here. So you are going to have to find the places yourself to go get these different things done. She wanted me to get my eyesight tested just to rule out that bad eyesight had to do with, um, with the headaches and Mm -hmm. I didn't have an eye doctor because I've never had bad eyesight. I was really good. So I found like a lens crafters that would do it for me and it came out 2020. So that was fine. She wanted me to go get my blood pressure taken somewhere. And at this point, because of COVID every um, facility, like a Walgreens or CVS, nobody had those like little things you can sit in anymore. Um, So, Mm -hmm. and then I, heard that you know the at-home blood pressure tests that you could buy were not very accurate so i've never told anyone this but i'm now going to tell all your listeners i just lied and said i got it taken and it was fine because i just i didn't have the energy or wherewithal to like keep doing all of this myself and every blood pressure test i'd ever had at a doctor prior to this was always fine And when I went in later on, when I did go in and eventually see her and they took my blood pressure, it was fine. So I was like, okay, phew. Um, (laughs) And then uh, the, uh, she wanted me to see, I don't even know what this person was even. It was some type of neurological testing. Mm -hmm. It, It was seeing someone that would screen you for ADD and memory loss problems and stuff like that. 
but it was more like a psychiatrist than it was like a neurologist, which I found out later. It ended up kind of being a mistake, but she was like, she gave me like a very specific name of you need to get this kind of test done. And because I already had a psychiatrist who prescribed my like anxiety and depression medicine, she's like, usually a psychiatrist or do it, you can ask your psychiatrist. So I reached out to her and she said, we don't do this, but I can recommend you to someone that does. And so she recommended me to someone that did. And then I had testing done by that neurological testing done by that person. And I think there might've been other stuff, but those are kind of the big things that I was trying to like find myself before my next appointment, which was in person with this doctor. One of the things that this doctor did in this first appointment was tell me, um, confirm. Yeah. It sounds like you had long haul. It sounds mm-hmm. like you have long haul, but then also started harping on uh, harping a little bit on kind of diet and exercise stuff. Not okay. a whole lot, but just a little bit. And then is it all right if I go ahead and jump ahead to when I see her in person the first yeah, time hey, what happened there? Well, that works for me. I see her like a month after that. And at that point, the neurolo- the neurological tests were scheduled, but hadn't happened yet. And when I saw her, because of at this point, I'm starting to have some heart palpitations Jeez. and shortness of breath. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes ahead and schedules what's called a Holter monitor, which is where they just put a heart monitor on you for a few days. And you just, anytime you feel your heart act up, you press a button and then you write down in a journal what you were doing and what it felt like and all that stuff. And then after three days, you take it off and you mail it to this facility that then looks at it and looks at the journal you made about it. Um, But at this visit with her, um, it was a lot less about long haul and a lot more about my weight and started assuming that because I was overweight that I was not taking good care of myself, assuming I was making unhealthy decisions, not even asking me, do you do this? Do you do that? But kind of assuming I didn't. So saying things like, like telling me I was getting headaches because I drank too much caffeine. And I said, I actually don't drink caffeine. I don't drink coffee. I sometimes drink iced tea in the morning, but that's it. I rarely drink soda. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, and seemed to like, believe me. But then later on, when I look at her notes, it was like this whole big thing in there about told the patient to stop having caffeine and they would stop having headaches. So, and the notes not even acknowledging me being like, I don't. And then telling me you need to be getting exercise. And I was like, well, I was exercising four or five days a week, Mm -hmm. but as of the past few months, I literally can't get out of bed. Like at this point, I wasn't even hardly able to get out of bed ever. And she was like, well, you need to be doing exercise, which I will get to later how wrong that was. Um, And then assuming I was just eating unhealthily and and things like that. And then like referred me to their weight loss clinic as opposed to their long haul clinic. Um, So it just felt very shaming and very like all the note, the notes that came out of that visit read more like I'm a fat person with depression and anxiety. And that's why I'm having all these problems, even though my depression and anxiety had been under control with meds and therapy for years prior to this. And I physically couldn't exercise. 
So you, you, you're at this point, like you said, you, you can barely get out of bed. You go in person. It, it really becomes about your weight or, or so it seems, which doesn't, I, I'm not seeing why that would be the case. Um, and then, you know, are you still working at this point? I am. I, at least at this point, my boss, I don't know if he was understanding, but he was at least open to the fact that I just couldn't get myself in the office. So we were supposed to be coming in two days a week. And most weeks I was just like, I have to work from home. So I am working, but I'm doing it from home the majority of the time. Okay. And it sounds like, I mean, the way you're describing having, having to go get uh, blood pressure, these neurological tests, uh, wear a heart monitor, keep a journal. Um, it sounds like it's like you have another job outside of your job. Yeah. And and not to mention, you still have to grocery shop. I still have to clean cat litter. I still have to do household chores. All these things by myself as a single person living on my own with no help and my family six hours away. Um, did I you, just, did I, you have a car? I did have a car. Yeah. Okay. The reason I ask is for anybody who is not or does not live in a city, going grocery shopping without a car is, is it's a, it's a whole other fucking thing, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And before I had a parking spot, I used to do that. I used to grocery shop and do the train thing mm -hmm. um, because it was too hard to find parking when I got back. But at this point I've got a spot in my parking garage um, but, you know, carrying cat litter and cat food and heavy things all right. by myself just was not easy. So at this point, I'm having Amazon Fresh deliver my groceries on a regular basis or set outside my door. Um, but even just keeping up with keeping my cats fed and their litter box cleaned and my apartment in order was impossible trying to keep up with being on and you know not only trying to find all of these appointments for myself but a lot of times you have to stay on them like they're not getting back to you about this that or the other especially their neurological one mm -hmm. it was just a lot of back and forth and me pushing to finally get in and it just and then yeah working full-time so you're working full-time and but you're you're alone as you said and you have to take care of yourself but it seems like um, with everything that you're dealing with, with the long haul, that that's becoming harder and harder to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. Um, I also just want to say at this point, I finally was seeing this psychiatrist to do this testing and this neurological testing. And, um, afterwards it, it kind of like, I found out it was more like a, I was given like IQ tests and like um, IQ tests test. for, yeah, I, IQ and ADD and like just this like kind of all over panel that I don't know how to this day, like my caseworker, I have a caseworker now. She says those tests were worthless. That was the wrong thing to have you do. That was ridiculous. And this doctor, um, a few weeks after the tests, called me to basically tell me, I don't see any evidence of long haul and everything seems normal. And then she basically just told me that I had a low IQ. <laughs> Are you fine? Really? <laughs> so apparently there's, um, uh, I'm, I'm being kind of cavalier about it, but essentially there's, you have a visual IQ and a, Oh, what's the other one? 
verbal IQ. Mm -hmm. And she said that my verbal IQ was good, but my visual IQ was below average. And (laughs) did you say, what does that have to do with COVID? (laughs) I know, right? I'm like, well, um, but you didn't know my IQ before these tests either. Like, not that long haul is going to make your IQ get worse, but like, the things that were being done to test my visual IQ, these different puzzles and stuff, Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to complete them because all of a sudden the brain fog would kick in and I would just lose everything and just literally physically couldn't function with them anymore. Um, Which is a thing. Like actually I have uh, a social worker now who's working on putting together a a booklet of games for people to help with this sort of thing, because it is something that long haul affects. So I don't, she just kind of assumed that I had a below average visual IQ, not knowing anything about me prior to all this. And just kind of saying that that's why this was, (laughs) I was feeling this way. And then also just basically saying that I was burned out at work Mm -hmm. and I had anxiety and I was like, I've had anxiety for years. It's under control with medicine. You can add. She'd never talked to my therapist or psychiatrist. Did about you get, where and I was you gave her that. permission to talk with them? Uh, she didn't even ask to talk with them. I see she just okay. made all these assumptions, put them all in her report. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just like a total waste of my time. Um, and then we had this conversation over the phone and then she's like, I'll send you these notes in writing um, in a couple weeks. And I didn't get those notes till nine months later when I had been begging her for two months because I needed them to turn in for my disability claim. And when I got those paper notes, they were just worse than the phone call. It was basically blaming everything on stress and anxiety And I'm like, nobody knew anything about, nobody, hardly anybody knows anything about long haul now. Almost nobody knew anything about long haul in November of 2021. So I think it was incredibly unprofessional and irresponsible of her to think, to flat out say, I don't see anything having to do with long haul when we didn't know shit about it. So And so she's saying that you're having memory issues, you're having brain fog, you're having headaches, you're having exhaustion because of anxiety, stress, and diet. It basically is. The other other doctor said diet. The psychiatrist, neurological Ah. lady said stress and anxiety and burnout. And like, I've been stressed before. I've been burned out before. That certainly, work certainly wasn't helping things. But these things had been going on for months before that new boss even came in and the work situation got stressful. It's been going on since I had bosses who were being understanding and lenient. So I just, I knew there was no way that was the case. And then now I have a caseworker that specializes in this stuff. And she looked at those tests and those notes and were like, this is ridiculous. I I do want to say, now I'm not a doctor and neither is my sister, but you know, stay away from that iced tea, man. That shit will fuck you up, man. Stay away from caffeine. Oh, I know. No, iced tea. You got to stay away (laughs) from that iced tea. Mm -mm. I know. And I'm not Mm -hmm. talking like uh, SVU iced tea. I'm talking like the the drink. Of course. Of course. Because if it was SVU iced tea, then all my problems would be solved. They would be solved and they would be solved with one pithy comment that he said while walking through a room inexplicably. Uh that's right. I might have directed some of those. So this this is near the end of 2021. Now, at this point, did you kind of come to a, a 
kind of a place where you're like, I can't continue to live on my own with this. I could not deal with this anymore. In fact, some of this stuff was happening in November, but I had already decided in October, the beginning of October, I couldn't do it on my own anymore. Trying to find these, the grocery shopping, the keeping up my household, taking care of my cats, working full time, trying to find all these doctors. Living in a city can be stressful in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I was too far away from anybody that could help me. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So I um, made the incredibly tough decision to move back home with my parents in Southern Illinois, which is about five and a half hours away from where I was living in Chicago. Um, at this point, I and also, like I mentioned, I'd started involving HR and I'd started working with this new doctor. And the goal was kind of, I was thinking either take some a medical leave of absence, which I found out the company I was working at had terrible medical leave benefits, which is actually the case for a lot of companies. It was basically like I could take up to so many weeks, but it would be unpaid. Basically, the only thing it did was guarantee I still had a job from taking that much right. time off work, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be getting any any payments, which I'll be honest with you, I was pretty resentful about considering the fact that I had covered so many maternity leaves for people when I worked there that I'm never going to take. I'm never going to have a child. I'm never going to have someone cover maternity leave for me. Why couldn't I get a medical leave for what I was going through and have somebody cover for me? You know, I think that's understandable. Um, Yeah. So I was resentful about that at that point for sure. But um, so I was working with HR on this medical leave and realized, okay, I can't afford to not work. Um, So then the idea was, could I move away to my parents and work remotely until I get better and then I'll come back? And at this time, I'm thinking, oh, I'll be better in three to six months. So I'll move home for six to eight months, get completely better, come back here. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had got, I was working with my doctor to kind of get a note about that and working on filling out a report with HR about that. And then at that point, my new boss and HR approached me about, that they were changing my role and they were going to be adding on all this work and I was going to be assisting two new people. So three total and all this stuff. And I was basically told you can either accept this new role or we'll give you severance. And so I was like, I'll absolutely take the severance because I need to move away and I can't do all this stuff. And I don't like this new boss anyway. And the severance will help me move home and be able to not work for a few months. So I didn't get fired. You know, I was offered the new role, but I think they, I'll be honest, I think that was done purposely to push me out because the new boss just wasn't a fan of me being so, sick. Yeah. Uh, and okay. So you made the hard decision to move home. And now, not only are you moving home, but now you don't even have, you, you're not employed anymore. Right. So mm-hmm. tell us about like those early days when you got home, kind of, um, how you how you were feeling um and like what like what kind of headspace could you have been in at that time just everything i mean that that move was so hard my my mom and my best friend kristen my best friend kristen flew in from san diego 
my mom came up on the train and they spent a week at my apartment packing everything for me and doing everything for me. And I just cried and I cried and I cried and they held me. That's where I get emotional. Um, I'm, I'm so independent and I'm so, I put so much value on being a hard worker and being independent, love living on my own, love being in a city, loved my lifestyle prior to being sick of just going out on dates, meeting new people, going to the theater, doing what I want, being in a city, being a single, independent, child-free woman, career woman, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. it was my jam. And I was just I was losing all of that. Um, and that was really hard. I, it was my whole identity and there was, a, I felt a shame and at that time being 38 and having to move home with my parents to my small hometown that I never wanted to live in again. Um, but then I was also feeling really proud of myself for making that hard decision and prioritizing my health and putting myself first and not being stubborn and pushing past things the way I used to in the past before a lot of years of therapy teaching me otherwise. Um, And so when I get home, I'm feeling, I'm feeling relieved because that job had been getting so hard and so bad for me with all the changes. I was really relieved to have gotten out of there and also to have a small severance package, one great, but it, was something I was feeling relieved to have my mom cooking my meals and my dad taking care of my cats and I could just sleep and sleep and sleep. Um, I was sad because this is, it just doesn't feel like my home. It's was annoyed because I'm living with my parents again, you know, just all the different things. Um, I think one of the things that was especially hard for me that's been hard over time since then is that there were some people in my life that that kind of turned their back on me and wrote me off I, for different reasons. And that was the hardest part. Sorry, sorry. Do you mean like they turned their back on you because of the COVID? I, I think there's some there's some different things at play. So one of the things that happened when I was getting ready to move home and I had, I finally put out a social media post of this what's this is what's been going on with me since February of 2020. I was very um transparent and vulnerable and telling everyone what was going on and how I was moving home and leaving my job. And I just had an outpouring of loving messages from people and a lot of people offering to help me in any way they could. Not a big fan of asking for help, but I eventually put that aside and I said, okay, I could probably use some help with people bringing me boxes and helping me pack. And a lot of people did that. Then I got to a point where it was time to look into the moving van and I found out the moving van would be $3,000. And that was basically going to, it was going to eat up a lot of, um, my severance that I needed to survive on for the next few months while I wouldn't be working and trying to get better. I couldn't try to find another job at this point because I was too sick to work, you know? Right. So I basically said, if anybody wants to help, what I could really use is donations towards this moving van. I feel really weird asking for this, but 
people offered help. Even if I can get a thousand dollars, that'll be helpful. Um, and so I was just so shocked that I got more than that. In fact, anybody that donated beyond the 3000, I messaged them was like, Hey, I'm going to send this back to you. I'm done. I don't need any more. They're like, Nope, keep it, which was so wonderful and special. But then there were people in my life that didn't like that. I had asked for donations and, um, stopped being my friend. And there were people that didn't believe there are people in my life that don't believe this is the thing, or they think I'm making this up, or they think I'm being dramatic about it, or maybe that I just didn't want to work anymore. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying not to get too caught up in whatever bullshit they're thinking because I know it's not true, but it did hurt because there were people that I thought I was closer to who've done that. And then there are people that just kind of like, you're out of sight, out of mind. And I tried to maintain relationships and wasn't really ever hearing back and just kind of saw themselves out of my life for whatever reason. It's probably not personal. If it is, I don't know, but I'm, I pride myself on my relationships with people. And so the loss of different people in my life for these different reasons, when I, when I need help the most, and feeling like I'm someone who's always given so much to my friends and other people and so much help to then feel like people are just forgetting about me or turning their backs on me when I need help is probably been the hardest part for me. I I mean, I can't even imagine. Um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, look, I made fun of the insurance companies earlier, but... Uh, they are unfortunately a necessary evil and without insurance, you know, there's, there's money. But before we get to that, I, I just am floored by the fact that people expressed, um, just frustration or whatever you want to call it because you asked for help monetarily. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And then there's people that like, you know, if I go do something, they're like, Oh, she, She's making this up oh, because she mm -hmm. went out and did something. You know, it's like, that's not how this work works. That's not how chronic illnesses work. You kind of, you bank your energy. I'll spend a whole day resting so that I can go out to dinner that night. And then the next day I'll have to rest again. Like I'm going to, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm an extrovert. I need people. People make me happy. If I just stop doing things entirely, I'm going to get so depressed that that's going to make everything worse. So I have to find ways to fit in different things. And sometimes when I'm going out doing things that maybe people perceive as me spending money on stuff, a friend could be treating me to that. Or a few months after I moved home, I decided I need to sell my car. So I made some money off of that, you know? So it's like, I don't want to get too deep into yeah. all that because, I, you know, like I don't, then there's the people that are like, Oh, she's just throwing a pity party and blah, blah, blah. And that, that's not the case. I just, the hardest part of all of this for me has been feeling like there's just been people that have turned their backs on me. Yeah. You know, and we'll move on, but it, it just, it never ceases to amaze me that people take something, whether they quote unquote, believe it or not, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. And people who have chronic illnesses are allowed to have lives too. It's not like, 
oh, well, I have to rest all the time. Well, that means I can't do anything anymore. And that's what's expected of me. And I'm going to sit at home and, and fucking do nothing. Uh, especially if you're somebody like you who I've known for a long time. And as you said, is a very much an extrovert. Um, so I, I just don't, I don't, I really don't get that, but you know, we'll leave that there. Um, you, you, uh, so you left a job. Did you lose your insurance? Yeah. So with that severance package, I got Cobra for six months. So essentially till the end of May, cause I left that job at the end of November. So, mm-hmm. um, so, and I, in my head thought, oh, by the end of six months, I'll be feeling completely better. I'll have a new full-time job. I'll be able to get insurance again. This is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely not what happened. Uh, and I, when Cobra ran out, I went ahead and got on public aid. And that's what I'm still on. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. So... You lose the insurance, which again, I was making fun of earlier, but a necessary evil. evil. Uh, and now you're on public aid. Um, so at this point, you know, we're, we're now in, well, as we're recording this, it's February of 2023. Um, so almost three years since you had COVID, the, uh, you know, originally. Um, are, there, are there more, you said that we still don't really know a lot about long haul. Are there clinics around? Or have you been able to get into any specialty clinics, especially since you've been, you've moved home and you were able to take that stress off of you? Yeah. So what was the first several months at home, I wasn't even trying to find a doctor because I was so scared of all the experiences I just had. And I thought we're keeping our eyes on the research. They don't know any information yet. I'm not going to go back to a doctor mm-hmm. to have all this happen again. Um, and so eventually again, my friend Kristen found, she found a post in a fa- local COVID Facebook group where someone was a caseworker at the center for independent living and was, they had a grant for people with long haul and they were taking on, anyone who had long haul COVID to help them find doctors in the area and to also help them apply for disability because recently disability had been approved for people with long haul. And so I reached out to this person and she's just been an angel and incredibly helpful and she'd been doing some research. So she helped me file for disability, which I'm still waiting on. And then she, um, she had found a long haul clinic in Springfield, which is about three and a half hours from where I live. Um, and that seemed like the best option because they mm-hmm. took my public aid insurance. And so they had some requirements to be able to get in. And one of those was you need to see a primary doctor twice for them to give you a referral to this. So I went ahead and got my parents' primary doctor. I went ahead and saw him and made him my primary, had those two visits. And then by the time he, we got that taken care of, Springfield was like, oh, no, we're all full. So then my caseworker found a place in St. Louis, which is in Missouri, the next state over. It's actually closer, two and a half hours away, but it's a different state. So we were concerned about my state public aid insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were able to get all that worked out. It took a lot of time, a lot of back and forth. But my doctor's office was really great about it. And they finally got that approved. And then I called and... I was able to get an appointment, but I think it was probably, they were booking up about three or four months out. So it took me probably about three or four months to get in. And I just had my first appointment at that clinic a few weeks ago. Jeez. And it, it, not, I, I, 
I don't want to gloss over how unbelievably difficult, one, to lose insurance, two, just to apply to be on public aid, three, um, having spent some time in my life without insurance and, and having to um, kind of go to free clinics or, or sliding scale places, the stigma that goes with that, that I think a lot of people don't even consider. Um, so you're dealing with all of these things all while being chronically ill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and then you're like, oh, great, there's a place in Springfield. And you do what they ask you to do, and then, oh, it's too late. And then you do find another place in St. Louis, and then it's still months before you can go there. And now, as we're recording this, it was only a couple weeks ago that you went there. Um, but tell us about your experience when you went went to you know this, this place that specialized in long-haul COVID and kind of the different things that you heard there that maybe you weren't hearing from your other primary care doctors. Uh, And I will say that the primary care doctor I have here now is just wonderful. While he doesn't know a ton about long haul, he will just admit that and he won't blame it on on other things. And he just listens to me and does what he can to help. Another, my brain fog memory loss, forgot to mention another huge symptom I've had is insomnia. That's just been getting worse and worse and worse. So he's really been trying to help me with that. And he's referred me to a sleep specialist that, I can't get into for a few months because it's the only one that takes public aid. Um, so he's been great. And this new clinic, um, I'm excited. It's awesome. Uh, I saw a doctor who validated every single thing that I've said, had reasons for all of this stuff being an issue. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yes, this is long haul was very frustrated to hear about what I'd gone through with the other doctors and the things they told me, especially the exercise part of it, because I'm actually the exercise. I I am exercising too much. I should not be doing these things. They're wearing me out because there's a, they said that long haul fatigue most closely resembles what's called chronic fatigue syndrome, Mm -hmm. um, which myelic encephalitis or something I can't pronounce M E. um, And that that exercising actually makes you feel worse and more tired, which is what I had been experiencing all along. And that you have, there's this delayed component. So something I do today that wears me out, will I I will feel the effects of that in like 24 hours. So if I exercise too much today, tomorrow, that's going to take me out. When you say the effects, okay, you kind of said it there. It's going to take you out. Like, do you mean you wake up the next day and you're just uh, unbelievably exhausted? Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of back into the whole, like, I, I, I need to stay in bed. I'm just yep. so worn out. Um, well, uh, you know, and then the insomnia, tell me a little bit about the insomnia. Obviously that means you can't sleep, but like, what's a normal night for you? And like, so for me, the insomnia isn't like I can't sleep at all or, um, I wake up a lot for me. It's just, I can't fall asleep once I do fine, but I can't, fall asleep and it the today i fell asleep at 6 a.m i started trying around 11 p.m and so i slept till about 3 30 p.m um and sometimes it'll cycle to a point where i just don't sleep at all that night and then i'll take like a short nap in the middle of the day and then try to go to bed early that night sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't i've been given a multitude of different types of sleeping pills. None of them work. Like 
literally nothing happens. Um, and I've tried weed gummies. I've tried melatonin. I've tried all the things. I just can't fall asleep. Um, and it's also kind of sporadic because then some nights I'll fall asleep at 8 PM because I didn't sleep the night before, Mm -hmm. but then I'll wake up at like 12 PM and can't get back to sleep. Okay. Um, have you tried not drinking iced tea? (laughs) Well, I'll be honest with you. I've actually completely stopped drinking for the most part. I was before I would maybe drink 10% caffeine. And now it's like 1%. Like, okay. Because that also makes the headaches worse. Oh, um, one, one other thing I want to say uh, or ask you is going on to public aid, you have mentioned a number of times, uh, today that you for years had taken medication and that is really that along with therapies really helped your anxiety and depression. When you went on to public aid, were you still able to take the, that medicine? Uh, no, I was off of that for about six months because they wouldn't cover the kind that I needed. Um, and I, for years and years and years have been on depression, anxiety medicines, and I've tried different kinds and I've had really adverse reactions, kind of the same way sleeping pills don't work for me that work for other people. I have really weird reactions with other kinds and it took years to find one that worked for me. And I'd been on it for probably four years having perfect results and my insurance wasn't covering that kind. They said they would, if I got proper doctor notes about it. So I reached out to my old psychiatrist Mm -hmm. to try to get notes from her, but because she wasn't in network with the public aid, they wouldn't accept the notes from her. So then I had to see my primary doctor to get, and then he had to try to get the notes from her. And that was a huge back and forth with medical release. And I had signed the stuff, but nobody was sending anything they were supposed to. And then they finally sent the stuff and then he sent in notes and then it was denied and then they appealed it. And then finally we got it covered and now I'm back on it. So, But you were off the meds. Like, were you on no meds for six months? Yes. How, how in the fuck, like, how did you deal with that? Um, I have <laughs> talking to my therapist, um, having nervous breakdowns, having my support system of my caseworker, my friends, my family. And, um, and then I've just gotten into some really woo woo spiritual practices that help me feel better. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, because it, I, you know, I know if somebody took away my medication or as I like to call them, Kevin can be around people pills. Um, the one thing I would lean on would be exercise because that helps my brain. But if I couldn't even exercise, whew, right. Right. Bad, bad. Yeah. I did start taking a senior citizen water aerobics class at the junior college down the street. And that was helpful. And that seems to be something that I can manage. The new doctor I saw at the clinic says, that's a good one. That's something you can do. Um, apparently, there are certain exercises I'm going to be able to do. She has referred me to see a physical therapist, an okay. occupational therapist, and a mm-hmm. speech therapist. I guess the speech therapist is for the brain fog issues and then physical and occupational therapy. They specialize in people with chronic fatigue syndrome. So they're part of the long haul clinic. So I'm going to have to go to St. Louis on a regular basis to see them. There's not people in this area that have that specialization. So for the time being, I'm going to have to drive there. 
and they are going to show me exercises that I can do that aren't going to wear me out and that can help me feel better. But um, I'm still waiting to hear from, I'm still waiting to get in. Uh, They put in the referral like three weeks ago and I keep checking and still no one's gotten back to me. I guess they're pretty full. So yeah. Are you, are, uh, does anybody call you spring chicken at the aerobics class? (laughs) They don't, but they do love me. And they are. And we, uh, at the end of every class, we play, um, we play beach ball and they're always impressed with, uh, how I'll, I'll die for the ball and go underwater. They say I have good range. (laughs) Good range. (laughs) (laughs) They think I have good range. So, (laughs) uh, that's, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man that's fucking funny um okay so <laughs> what are what are the things that you know as we're wrapping up here like what are the things obviously it's, it sounds like you finally are really on the right track here uh with the care that you're gonna be receiving uh from from uh the long haul place in st louis and the doctor you have there you love your primary care doctor um you're waiting to hear back on disability um and you have great range, which is good. <laughs> so um, what are the things that you're doing to keep to keep your spirits up? Um, so I am uh, I'm trying to write as much as my brain will allow me. I'm trying to write. I've started a blog and I'm writing a book and I'm sending out pitches to different magazines and I'm working on a book proposal to try to send that out to publishers for my book. Wow. Um, I'm spending time with my family and friends that live here that I hadn't got to see on a regular basis when Mm -hmm. I moved away. And that's been really nice. And, um, and then, yeah, just like my spiritual woo woo practices, those have been really fun. I'm doing tarot and crystals and aromatherapy and meditation and um chakra cleansing work and all and then i write about it and that's fun uh we'll we'll put a link to your blog if if you're comfortable with that we'll put a link to your blog in the uh in the show notes is it is it something that you could say for anybody who's listening right now like is it like Yeah. yeah what what's the address for that so it's kristaatkinson.substack.com. Ah, um, Substack. Okay. The name of, yeah, it's on Substack. And the, the blog is called Are You There, Readers? It's me, Krista. Man, I love a good Judy Bloom reference. <laughs> I love that you know that it's a Judy Bloom reference. I know, and I've never even had my period. Well, you know, maybe I'll write an article about what that's like and you can <laughs> read it and, and feel and live vicariously. <laughs> um and and I do want to call this out. I I was texting with Krista um, I think it was last week. Uh and I said, "Hey, how did everything go at the long haul clinic?" And she said, "It's a lot to type, but I posted something on Facebook. Uh if you want to read it." So I went and I read it and it it, it was and I say this all in all honesty, it was some of the, it was really well written, really well said. Um, so um, you, you are a good writer and you're telling a wonderful story and you should definitely um, feel empowered by that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I've been told for a lot of years that I have a talent for writing. Writing is what my dad does for a living. So oh, wow. I'm finally like, you know what? I'm not having to, live on my own paying all these bills in a city working full time mm-hmm. at a corporate job like 
the little energy that I do have, I can maybe start investing it into seeing if I can, if I can finally make a career and find a career out of something that I like doing. Um, I work a few hours a week right now, just kind of in, as an independent contractor doing some assistant work for a couple people to kind of try to keep a little money in my bank account if and until disability could ever maybe hopefully come through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, at least I'm, I'm grateful. Like we talked about me staying positive. Like I'm looking for the things I believe things happen for a reason. I'm into that universal stuff Mm -hmm. and something that I even forgot to mention earlier on that I think falls into this is in August of 2022, I had to get a job. I just had to do it. I needed money. And so I found a remote part-time job for about 20 hours a week. And I only had to go in one day in person to get training. And in that one day I was there, the person training me gave me COVID for a second time. And that made all of my symptoms completely worse. And all of the progress I'd made just completely went away. And so then it got to a point where I was like, yeah, I cannot work 20 hours a week. Um, So at that point, that's when I filed for disability. And I said, I need to cut down my hours to five or 10 a week. I was laid off from that job, which is fine. And then I think that happened for a reason. I think I was given COVID a second time. I think I was knocked off my block a second time because I am meant to write and I am meant to focus and put effort into these things that I love and that I'm good at. And even though they're hard to try to make a career out of them, I was meant to leave Chicago. I wasn't meant to be there anymore. I just hadn't gotten around to that didn't feel like any great push to move, but I've always wanted to live in New York city. I believe that once I am better and I'm not sick anymore, it is my dream to move to New York city it is my dream to be a writer. It's my dream to do a lot of things that I wasn't actively pursuing that now that I've had this big health thing, it's just been a total reevaluation of my life. What's important to me, clearing the people and the things and the projects that don't serve me and making room for expansion and abundance and the new people, the right people, the right projects. And anytime I get frustrated or upset, I just try to realize that it's hard right now, but this is going to lead to these things that I'm that I feel I'm meant to do with my life. And that's why I randomly took that stupid impulsive trip to Orlando in February, 2022, when I normally plan these things, because I was meant to have all this happen so that I could learn to slow down, reprioritize things and actually take action on the things that matter to me. I think that's just a wonderful way to look at that and not something that a lot of people would even come to so kudos to you uh krista seriously kudos and and the fact that as kelly kapowski told me uh when life gives you lemons you make lemonade and you seem to be doing that so um, did she tell you that personally or i wish my 11 year old self wishes uh but yeah, no you and she, every other millennial guy i know i know i am a millennial barely um yeah what uh, we're going to wrap up, but one any last things that you want to say for anybody who still might have confusion or or anything that you want to share, um, about long haul or uh, really anything. Um, there are a lot of people suffering with long haul, and I don't know if enough attention is being given to it yet. 
It is going to affect our population. It is going to affect the work, the workforce. We, we lost a lot of people who died, but there are people who made it, but are still dealing with huge issues because of it. And we have to be sympathetic and understanding to those people. You need to make accommodations for them in the workplace and in their lives. We need to be helping them um, with disability and, you know, government assistance. And we need medical researchers to really start putting a lot of emphasis on what this is and how it can be fixed. And um, we need more people to learn about it so that more doctors are aware. And there's so there's more clinics and more facilities so that it's not so hard to get into it. So it doesn't take so long. Mm-hmm. And um, and the, to, there's people there's so many people that have it that don't even realize that that's what they have going on. They're kind of in denial or just don't realize. So, like, if any of these things resonate with you, please talk to your doctors and please don't take no for an answer. It's so hard to keep pushing and fighting, but like you have to take care of yourself. Find somebody like a caseworker or a friend or a parent or a loved one who will help advocate for you when you are too weak to do it for yourself. I think that's uh, amazing and wonderful. And Krista, again, thank you so much. Um, and, And I imagine that, you know, we've been talking for, hour and 20 minutes, I imagine that this has not been easy for you. Um, and I imagine that this is, this is also going to contribute to some exhaustion. So thank you so much for being so brave and honest and coming on and telling your story. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to spread the word and air my grievances. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Festivus in here. Um, yeah. Uh, but yes, so thank you so much, Krista. And, you know, to everyone else, um, uh, who's listening, I always try to end with just a reminder that there is always room, um, in any situation for kindness and grace. And, um, and that, that goes for when you're kind of dealing with shit yourself. Uh, and I forget that every day. So just remember, there's always room for kindness and grace. Thank you, Krista. And, um, we will see you next time on sad times. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.